You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you and a special guest with me. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, you've heard him before. One of my favorite guys, Brandon Thorne from Scouting Academy. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am doing great. So we talked about this earlier this season when we were breaking down the Vikings offensive line, that when it came to a big game later in the year with some playoff implications, we were going to go hardcore and break down offensive versus defensive line. And Brandon, I think this one is the perfect game for that because Carolina lives and dies with their defensive line and their pressure. Obviously, they've got great linebackers, too, so they're front seven. And the Vikings' offensive line just continues to play great. In my mind, last week against Atlanta, they were phenomenal, creating throwing lanes for Case Keenum, and the running game has been great. They've had runs over 30 yards each of the last three weeks, so it's two units that are playing at a really high level. So I I, want to start on the Carolina side with their biggest superstar, Kawan Short. Um, I, I saw someone tweet the other day that we're living in a golden age of interior defensive linemen, and this guy goes right up toward the top of that list, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I just got finished uh, doing a, a lot of evaluation of, of him for the NFL 1000 team. Um, and, yeah, man, I, it starts, I think, with, you know, his blend of size, athleticism, and power. You know, those three things, you know, it's a rare blend. You know, I think he's – about 6'3", 315, but he plays incredibly powerful with his hands. He's explosive at the snap, and he gets his hands into guys' frames very quickly and very violently, and he he kind of ragdolls offensive linemen quite a bit, um, and uh, he can really reset the line of scrimmage in the run game and, you know, kind of uh, um, alter the runner's path prematurely, you know, getting the, the runner's vision. Um, we'll put the offensive lineman in the runner's vision prematurely. It's basically resetting line of scrimmages. And, you know, he has that strength to collapse either side of the, the, the blocker, you know, on, on all run, running concepts. So he's he's really good in the run game. He's a, I think he's a very good pass rusher as well, you know, with that athleticism that he has. And he's really good with his hands. So he, he's just a guy, you know, he has a block field goal this year. He, he just makes an impact in a lot of ways, you know, leads a defensive lineman, snaps. So he's he's their guy, you know. He's going to stay on the field uh, more than anybody else, and uh, you know I think it all starts with him. And he's going to be a tough matchup for any offensive line to deal with. Well, the Vikings' interior offensive line is really uh, interesting to me because we've talked about Pat Elfline and just how much of an impact he's made right away as the the rookie center. How good he's been, and 
I think each of the three 30-plus yard runs have been going right behind Pat Elfline in some way or another, just off to his left or just off to his right. They haven't been on the outside runs. They've had success going up the middle. But if there's one criticism you might have of the interior offensive line of the Vikings, it's that it's three guys who are centers, Joe Berger, Nick Easton, and Pat Elfline, that speaks to their mobility, but it doesn't necessarily speak to their power as well. And there have been times where Easton went up against Cam Hayward this year, and that was not a very good matchup for him. And there were times where Elfline went up against Brandon Williams, and these are stars in the league, so obviously they're going to be tough no matter what, but uh, where the bigger and more powerful guys have given them some trouble at times. So how do you see the interior of the Vikings offensive line matching up against Kawan Short? Yeah, it's going to be a tough matchup. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, Pat Elfline and that interior, they've, they've faced great interior defensive linemen all year. So it's not going to be too much of a, you know, difference in that way, I think, because they've pretty much seen, you know, uh, elite guys before, you know, in various forms, you know, like you mentioned, Hayward and Williams and Pierce and Keem Hicks. So, um, but short, I think, you know, I think he's a little bit like uh, Fletcher Cox kind of. Um, and in, in terms of his, like I mentioned earlier, just the size, athleticism and power that he has, he's he's going to be a problem. I mean, for, for, for any offensive lineman, like I mentioned, but for Easton, you know, because that's pretty much uh, where short lines up the most is on that right side in the three technique. Um, and, you know, I mean, I would imagine that uh, Minnesota might try to run a little bit more outside zone this week and a little bit more um, where they're getting their guys in space. Um, you know, pulling, I, I think, would be probably wise. You know, maybe some, some traps and whams to kind of, you know, get short off balance a little bit and not, you know, try to just run right at him, you know, because I know Minnesota really likes inside zone mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so inside zone combination blocks, um, I think, could be a problem. Um, again, short, I don't really see a whole lot of movement happening there. But I think if you can throw some misdirection at him um, and take advantage of Easton's uh, quickness and athleticism, I think you can have some success there. Um, but one-on-one -on -one matchups, I mean, Easton's not going to be moving Quan short um, mm. very much. You know, I don't, I don't think that's realistic. Maybe here and there. I mean, I like the way Easton plays, plays with good leverage, he's tough, you know, good pop, you know, on contact, pretty decent power, but, you know, short's a different animal. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be a tough matchup. You know, it just depends on the game plan and how they approach it. But um, on an individual basis, there's not much. I don't think that Easton's going to really do to short to uh, – to, to win that matchup, you know, on a one-on-one on a -on -one level. Now, the rest of the interior defensive line for Carolina, it looks to me like from their snap counts that they just have a rotation going where certain guys are in when it's more likely to be a passing play, Star Latulale, uh, along with... Star, uh, yeah. Yeah, just call just call him Star, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, with... Uh, you know, Vernon Butler and Kyle Love, two guys that I'm not as yeah. familiar with. Uh, what, what do you see from the rest of the line around short? Yeah, so, you know, um, Short and, and Star, you know, they pretty much are the guys that, you know, start and play most of the game. I think Star is a – I think he's a good overall run defender. Um, I think he's – you know, he has solid snap quickness off the ball. Um, he really excels um, when they run blitz and they stunt, you know, at the snap um, 
you say he's, you know, he plays the one technique, you know, shaded over the center primarily. So sometimes they'll, right as the snap occurs, they'll stunt him or slant him to the opposite side gap or the adjacent gap. And I think that's where he succeeds because um, he's pretty tough to deal with on the interior when he does that. I think he's pretty solid versus double teams. Um, I think his pads tend to rise when he goes against guys who are really good um, on double teams, you know, namely the Saints this year. He struggled there um, with Max Unger and Larry Warford. And so I think Elfline and um, Berger or Easton, you know, they're, they're both pretty good. Uh, well, I think Elfline's very good, but, you know, the other two are pretty good, you know, teaming up with Elfline on double teams. So I think that they could generate some movement on him in the run game a little bit. But he, he's pretty tough, you know. Um, you know, he's strong, uh, pretty good size, solid pass rusher. He really just bull rushes guys, um, you know, and tries to push the pocket. But he's not really dynamic, you know, by any means in that way. So he's 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 a good secondary guy, you know, to short who uh, is primarily a run defender. And then, you know, I, I really like uh, uh, Vernon Butler. Um, he's kind of the rotational three technique. He'll also play a little one technique, but he, he's kind of the guy that, um, that that stands out to me for a backup, I think, in terms of physical traits, kind of like short, except he's, you know, a little bit bigger. His, his height, weight, arm length, and athleticism, I think, are all elite type stuff, you know, that you, you look for in uh, defensive linemen. Um, but he's just still a little bit raw, I think, you know, especially as a pass rusher, he just tries to kind of overpower guys or just win with athleticism as opposed to, you know, setting guys up or stringing moves together, having a counter move. So he's, he's not very refined as a pass rusher, but, you know, he, he could penetrate um, the backfield in the run game and he's, he's a load to deal with. I mean, um, so I think he could give Berger some problems um, and uh, Easton as well. Love is a you know former undrafted guy. He's bounced around the league a little bit. He's kind of top heavy. Um, he, he's more of an upper body than lower body strength guy. He just tries to to win with his hands. He has good aggressive hands and a high motor. Plays hard, um, but he you know he kind of struggles versus outside zone. You know when he's getting getting moved laterally off the ball, his base can narrow, and uh, he's pretty easy to control sometimes on outside zone. So that's why I think another reason, um, you know, especially when the, the rotational guys are in, I, I would definitely think Minnesota would try to hit him with some outside zone because I think they can get love and move him around a little bit. So that, that's one area I think that they could take advantage of for sure. You know, something I'm interested to see is if they, in the passing game, also try to move the pocket a bit. I mean, this is an offensive line for the Vikings who it's, it's so intelligent that you can ask them – to block pretty much any way, right? Any sort of scheme, and they yeah. love to be on the move. Sure. But one of the things that I was concerned about going into the Falcons game that did show up in the first half, but not so much in the second, was the two defensive tackles for Atlanta did such a good job early on in that game of pushing the pocket back, but it seemed like the Vikings were able to wear them down, especially with the running game and a long 15-play drive to where they became less relevant later in the game. It seems like that pressure up the middle could be an issue for Case Keenum. He's talked, we've talked about how he's good in the pocket, moving around and creating some plays that way. But I think when he doesn't have an area to step up into, that's where he could struggle a bit. I could see that being a problem versus Carolina. I mean, you know, because like I mentioned, short definitely can push the pocket. 
um, star. You know, that's what he pretty much does as a pass rusher is, you know, push the pocket and bull rush guys. And then Butler can do that as well. Um, and Love, you know, I think he, he offers the most as a pass rusher, in my opinion. I think he's most effective in a pass rushing role. I think he has quick hands. He, you know, I've seen him use a spin and a hump move and dip and rip. and So he, he has some, some pass rushing skill, I think, there. He's a little bit better there than, than the run game. So, yeah, it's it's a tough matchup, you know, when you got these four guys in, in terms of if, if, if your offensive line, you know, isn't um, very stout and known for play strength and moving people off the ball and, and anchoring. And, and, you know, and I don't think Minnesota's offensive line is really is really that. They're more of kind of a, a move, you know, offensive line, you know, who excels, you know, moving laterally and in space and stuff like that. So that's definitely an area that, you know, I could see, you know, some issues this weekend for sure. Uh, dip and rip is now my favorite football term. Just I'm moving that <laughs> Just right dip to the, the top. shoulder and rip up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you see it a lot. But yeah. It's kind of a cool name. Yeah. I like that name. <laughs> um, yeah. Ju- Julius Peppers is kind of like Terrence Newman for the Vikings in that he has no age. <laughs> I mean, the guy, how old is he? I, I'm going to, I'm going to check this out as we're talking. Cause Oh, 37. Okay. He's 37 years old and he still has eight and a half sacks this year. An incredible career. One of the all time great pass rushers. He's up to 152 for his career and has a really good chance to get to double digits again. I, I mean, what keeps this guy going at this high of a level? I mean, you know, I've, it's just crazy. You know, he, well, I, I think if you start with, you know, his size and athleticism, you know, coming into the league, he was seen as, you know, maybe one of the most gifted physical players, to, gifted physically players to, to ever come into the league, you know, and I think that that's helped sustain him this long because um, he still has some of that athleticism despite his age. He takes really good care of himself from from everything I've seen and read and, you know, just a pro's pro kind of guy who, you know, is in incredible shape on top of being a, you know, a genetic freak. Um, so I think you got to start there. But then also I think he's pretty refined, you know, with his hands. He could do a lot of things as a pass rusher. You know, he has a lot of experience. He's smart, um, you know, on the field. And, uh, you know, he's playing uh, about 48% of the snaps this year. So he's playing a pretty good amount, you know, um, relative, you know, to the other defensive ends. He, the, the third most um, in terms of defensive ends for the Panthers, you know, Addison and Johnson primarily um, play, but Peppers is right there in terms of snaps. So he's playing pretty good amount. Um, it's just amazing, you know, really what he can do. But I think those, those traits that I mentioned, uh, you know, is kind of what makes him so special and rare. Yeah, and I th- I think with uh, somebody like him, um, you know, Riley Reef has done a really great job this year, but that might be a-, a bit of a challenge, especially when a guy is getting that time on the bench to be at 100% when he comes out to play. I mean, you mentioned that he's playing a good number of snaps, but he's a rotational pass rusher at this point, and I think that that, yeah. re- I think that really helps and give you an advantage to be able to come in and not have to worry too much about wearing yourself down because they're going to keep working people in. And throughout a game, the Vikings ask a lot of their uh, defensive linemen, and especially somebody with his height uh, might give Reef some problems around the edge. Uh, what is Peppers? 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, um, yeah, he is an incredible freak. On the other side, Brandon, what have you thought of the way Rashad Hill is played? Because, you know, 
they got him off of Jacksonville's practice squad last year. And you see those types of moves all the time. Oh, they signed this guy off somebody's practice squad, whatever. They're just bringing in a body. And then Mike Remmers gets hurt, and Rashad Hill has come in, and this offensive line hasn't really missed a beat whatsoever. And this week, he's going to have a pretty tough matchup. Yeah, I think he's, you know, pretty solid. Um, You know, in pass protection, I've been pretty impressed with his ability really just to get into that, you know, that that advantageous half-man relationship, you know, in pass protection where he, you know, is able to kind of split a guy in half and, um, you know, at the point of attack, he's, you know, pretty good with his hands to, to line guys up and, you know, get on, get on them with his hands, latch on and, and sustain and push guys past the pocket and um, stuff like that. And, I, you know, I like the way that they, you know, run full slides away and, um, you know, they, you know, obviously like play action and they do a lot of different things to where he's not really one-on-one with, with zero help very often. Mm-hmm. Um you know, which I definitely think helps. Uh, something that I noticed with him, though, you know, he definitely plays high. I think his pad level is an issue, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially in the run game, um, you know, when he's having to move laterally and adjust. And, you know, I, he's definitely, you know, not a, uh, probably maybe an adequate guy in space, um, you know. So I think he plays high and guys can get underneath him and guys can get into his chest still. Um, so, you know, I could definitely see him struggling, Um you know, Julius Peppers, um, for sure. And if ever he has to block down and, you know, get his hands on one of those defensive tackles that, you know, could pose some problems, um, in the running game as well. So, yeah, I, but generally, yeah, I mean, you know, he's allowed the offense to still function and not really change. So, you know, definitely something to to be said about that. Well, and Mario Addison could offer a pretty difficult matchup with him too because i see addison is not the biggest guy but kind of a a quicker guy that could get around he's also not really super tall so if you're talking about you know guys being able to get around him especially going low and addison is having uh, one of his best seasons he had nine and a half sacks last year he's got eight and a half this year yeah addison is um you know he's pretty good around the edge you know in terms of cornering um and getting around the around the edge you know with bend he has good bend in his lower half so he's tough for guys you know like like hill who you know play a little high um that's definitely a, a you know an issue there i would say because addison is known for playing low around the corner um and he plays really hard too you know kind of you know one of those high motor guys as well so a guy like that who's kind of bendy coming around the edge you know that that could be tough for anybody to deal with um and Hill, you know, definitely is a guy, you know, I, I like him more against, you know, kind of the power type of rushers as mm-hmm. opposed to those type of guys. So, yeah, I, I could see Addison, you know, maybe getting a sack or something like that. And definitely a guy that, you know, hopefully they provide a little bit of help to, you know, for Hill, you know, tight ends or, you know, different slide protections and stuff like that. So uh, Judd Zolgat and I just did a podcast yesterday about, spent a lot of time on the culture of this offensive line and the makeup of it, how the guys are all kind of, they bring this toughness, they bring this intelligence, professionalism to the room that maybe wasn't always there when they had Matt Khalil or when they had Alex Boone, and now it's a lot different. From your perspective, though, because we see these guys all the time, and I focus so much on the Vikings and then who their opponent is that week, 
but you watch lines all over the league all the time. And if anyone follows you on Twitter, they see how much tape you're watching of offensive linemen. Uh, what do you make of the Vikings offensive line as a whole? We, we've talked about it in the offseason leading up to this, and, and we kind of checked in midseason to get your thoughts. But now that we're almost at playoff time, how do you think this line is potentially built for a run in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I think you when I when I look at the Vikings offensive line, I think I have to start with, you know, the coaching and um, the positions that they're put in and, and the schemes that they're running and um, the diversity and, you know, including tight ends, and fullbacks and, um, you know, opportune play calls, you know, and I just think there's so many factors there that are making this offensive line, you know, as good as they are. And, and there's definitely a chemistry there, you know, up front. Um, cause when you look at them in, uh, as individuals, you know, I think, you know, you, you wouldn't necessarily expect a unit to, 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 be this good, but that's, you know, part of what makes offensive line great, I think is, you know, you can have a, you know, where the sum is greater than the, you know, the parts. And I think that is kind of the, the case here, you know, in Minnesota. Um, so, you know, with that being said, when you have great individuals on the defensive line, um, you know, come playoff time and stuff like that, you know, they could definitely make some big plays and I, you know I, I so uh, really what i guess i'm trying to say is, is is i'm not super confident in the vikings offensive line come playoff time you know and pass protection you know you know if they get into you know third and longs and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know i mean any offensive line can break at that point but you know i just when i look at that's when it comes you know down to matchups and um you know i, I definitely think that there's a lot of matchups that you know, a guy like Hill at right tackle, you know, is going to lose. Um, but if they continue to scheme, you know, and, and uh, you know, protect guys and kind of hide guys in certain ways and, you know, just allow them to play to their strengths, I think they'll be fine. Um, but, you know, overall, I've been just so impressed with how they've played together. You know, like we said before, I think Reef and, and Elfline are the best players on the line. And, you know, you've, you've got some just fill-in guys, you know, a little bit in other places, but, you've managed to, 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 to build a scheme around their strengths, you know, um, you know, being a, you know, a running team. Um, and I, you know, anytime you can run the ball, I think with offensive linemen who may not be so great in pass protection, that's, that's wise. And, um, you know, I just think it's a really interesting collection of people, you know, and, and, and players, you know, you got undrafted guys like Easton, um, you know, who's relatively unex- inexperienced and, um, you know, guys like that, I think, you know, the, the inexperience factor, I think there's something to be said about that when, the, you know, the playoffs come. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, granted, if they're at home, I think that's huge. And I think that they could still sustain the success completely in the playoffs if they're at home. You know, that, that changes a lot, you know. But if they're on the road in hostile environments when they can't really hear and they don't have good experience or, you know, uh, you know, a substantial amount of experience, you know, coming off the snap and, you know, things like that in an efficient manner become very, very difficult, you know, um, you know when you're on the road in the playoffs. So yeah, I just think, uh, you know, there's a lot of context around it, you know, determining how they're going to play, I think. But um, I think they have a, a pretty good chance of sustaining this through the playoffs, I guess, ultimately. Who do you think is the toughest matchup for them? Because the other defensive lines that they could potentially go up against in the playoffs are pretty much all good. I look at Seattle as maybe being the one that would be really, really, really tough, but Philadelphia's got a great D-line. Carolina they could match up against again. Atlanta, we've seen already, has a good defensive line. 
Who do you think offers the toughest matchup? I mean, I definitely think Seattle and Philly, you know, quite a bit more than Atlanta and um, other teams in the NFC. You know, I, Philly and Seattle, I mean, the, the, those defensive lines, like you mentioned, are absolutely loaded. Um, and, you know, just what Seattle's done to, to good offensive lines this year, you know, especially when they're in Seattle, um, they're very difficult to deal with because, you know, in that crowd, you know, for offensive line, that's that gets tough, you know, to, to come off the ball, you know, as quick as the defensive line's coming off the ball. And when you have athletes like Seattle has on the other side, you know, that can get chaotic pretty quick. Um, but, you know, I don't know if I if I could pick. I, I'd still probably lean Philly just because I think Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan in the middle are just absolutely – devastating you know for an interior and then you got a rotation of ends you know the the wealth on that defensive line in terms of personnel is just ridiculous i mean you know with chris long and brandon graham and Derek barnett um you know that they and uh vinnie curry so they have a lot of different skill sets and a lot of different body types and stuff that you have to prepare for up front and um yeah i just you know, I think the home and away factor is huge, but just from a purely a personnel standpoint, I think Philly would probably be the, the toughest. Last thing for you, we're going into college bowl season, and I think that the Vikings are going to be in line to draft a right guard this year uh, because Joe Berger is going to retire, and I think they love the how the rest of the line looks, but if I were just looking for any weakness or any area where I would think the Vikings would be going in the first round top players, I, I think it would be guard. As we go into the bull season, is there a guard that you've taken a look at yet? I mean, I don't know if you're, you've started to focus on the college game so much as uh, on the NFL or gotten into your draft scouting, but is there somebody, a guard in college football that you really love? Well, I mean, you know, obviously uh, Quentin Nelson, you know, from Notre Dame, he plays left guard, but, um, you know, <laughs> I think everybody in the world loves him, so I'm not really, you know, saying anything new there. I think he, you know, has a good chance to be a top ten pick. So I don't know if Minnesota's going to be in the running for him unless they trade up or something. Um, but he's he's a game changer. I think he's going to come in right away and be um, like Pro Bowl level, you know, type, you mm-hmm. know, from day one. You know, he's he's outstanding. But a right guard that, um, and, and just to kind of. Um, backtrack a little bit on in terms of just general college offensive linemen I haven't really watched many um, in depth at all yet I've just seen kind of guys on TV and you know when I watch guys when I watch college on TV anyway I'm pretty much watching offensive line so I you know I get an idea of you know some guys I you know whatever but um, a guard that stood out is uh, Braden Smith you know from Auburn Um, he plays right guard and uh, I think he's going to be a good player um, in the pros, he, he really stands out. His body type is, um, you know, somewhat unique on the interior, you know, he's listed at six, six, three Oh three. So he's, um, definitely very long. Um, it looks like he has good length, um, really big frame, um, just looks the part, you know, and he's really good once he gets his hands on guys, um, in terms of sustaining and having that power and that grip strength in his hands, um so i think he's a really good run blocker um from what i've seen and he's known kind of as you know a a weight room junkie and all that stuff so i think minnesota is definitely probably 
you know, taking a look at that guy, you know, because if you want to write guard and, you know, just in terms of how they've addressed their offensive line last offseason with getting guys like Mike Remmers and Riley Reef and drafting Pat Elfline, clearly they value, you know, run blocking very highly. Mm-hmm. Um, so a guy like Braden Smith, to me, you know, would be a, a great um, guy to look at there in the first round at right guard. I knew you'd have somebody. I knew you'd have a guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a guy that stood out to me for sure. Uh, Brandon, always appreciate the time. Phenomenal stuff. I love the way you break the game down. Follow Brandon on Twitter if you are interested in offensive and defensive lines, especially offensive, uh, or, or fullbacks now and then. Hey, C.J. Ham made a big uh, impact on the game last week, a big first down catch and a third down and one they handed it off to him. And also, of course, as it's been pointed out, he has the best fullback name maybe in history, C.J. Ham. So uh, anyway, follow Brandon on Twitter, at Veteran Scout Brandon Thorne. Always appreciate your time, Brandon. All right, thanks a lot, Matt. It was a pleasure to be here. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.